0: Tonight on Huckabee, North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, the queen of green comedy, Shonda Pierce, Huck's hero, Marshall Morris, and Grammy Award winning Michael W. Smith. That's Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bulton. And now, here's...
1: Welcome, everybody. We've got a fantastic show. You are going to have a great time, so don't go anywhere. Not anywhere. Hey, who doesn't like a gift? I mean, something given to me by another who spends his or her hard-earned money to provide something that I need, or maybe just something I want. But if I'm given what's said to be a gift, and then I'm handed a bill to pay for it, is that a gift? So when the government says it wants to give you something, you ought to ask whose money is gonna pay for it? The politician who made the promise and it will be out of his or her personal money or will it actually be funded by you or maybe a total stranger in your neighborhood using funds that were taken from you involuntarily through taxes or fees. I'm sure hearing a lot of offers from the government that they want to give me some stuff like free childcare, free college, free guaranteed income for life, and free medical care. Hey, that sounds pretty good since I've been paying for all that stuff myself. But I'm not totally stupid. Notice I said totally. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to pay for all that. And when you hear an elected official promise to give you something for free, just pause and ask these questions. Number one, who will really pay for it? Maybe you're told some faceless big corporation will pay for it, but if you or someone in your family works for a big corporation, I hope you understand how taxing a corporation works. Because truth is, corporations, they don't pay taxes. They just collect taxes from their customers and then they pass them on to the government. And to make up for the money that they send to the government, they do one of two things. They either raise their prices or they cut expenses. And sometimes the expense they cut is your job. Employers are not looking for ways to lose money. Most importantly, they got a responsibility to their shareholders and employees and customers to make money. And if they don't make money, they go out of business. And the people who invested in their stock lose their money. Those folks who lose their jobs, then they have less money to buy things. And if they've been buying stuff from you, you have less money. So the government has maybe given you something you didn't even ask for, but it may cost you something that you needed, like your job. Now, if I give you something from my own pocket, that's a gift. But if I give you something from someone else's pocket, that's theft. Sound familiar? Well, second thing to ask, is this something that the government has the legal authority to give you? Read the Constitution very carefully. Does the government really have the power to give this? Oh, it's easy for a politician to tell you that he or she is giving you something, but is it really a function of government for them to give it? Look, I get it that since most of us can't buy our own fire trucks or Hire a policeman just for our own family, it does make sense to chip in with some taxes so that we can have a fire department, a police department, as well as having streets and sewer systems and water lines that come straight to our house. Number three, can the government spend money better than I can? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe hard to get a good answer, but I can tell you that in almost every case, the government is gonna be paying way more for the things that it gives away than those things actually cost because there are so many handling costs for the people in the government and for all the paperwork involved. So what if government just gave you the money, which really means they let you keep what you already had, and then they let you spend it for what they were going to give you? I don't know if you know this, but the cost for K through 12 education range from just under $7,000 per pupil per year in Utah, to almost $36,000 in New York State. The average, average nationally is around $15,000 per student. Now most private schools are well below that. So would you be better off if you could just get the funds from the government and you choose the school best for your child rather than the government picking your child's school. And the annual healthcare cost per American, about 12,000 a year. The cost on average for health insurance, about 6,000 a year. Some pay more, some pay less. So would you be better off buying your own than having the government buy it for you? Here's my point. When a politician tells you that he or she is gonna invest your money in something, you ought to want to know, is it something you really need or even want? Does the government have the legal right to take money from other people, including you, in order to give it to you? And would you be better off taking the money that the government's going to spend and just spending it yourself? Remember, the government doesn't have anything that it doesn't take from you first. So before you celebrate what they promise to give you, be sure you know, how much they took from you. Now, you may remember Mark Robinson from a viral video just a few years ago. It has been viewed more than, get this, 200 million times. That's amazing. He gave a speech to his local city council defending the Second Amendment. And boy, did it ever take on a life of its own. Take a look.
2: I'm a law-abiding citizen who's never shot anybody, never committed a serious crime, never committed a felony. I've never done anything like that. But it seems like every time we have one of these shootings, nobody wants to blame, put the blame where it goes, which is at the shooter's feet. You want to put it at my feet. You want to turn around and restrict my right constitutional right that's spelled out in black and white, you want to restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself from some of the very people you're talking about in here tonight. It's ridiculous. I don't think Rod Serling could come up with a better script.
1: The man in that video, Mark Robinson is now the 35th Lieutenant Governor of the great state of North Carolina, and we're thrilled to have him right here tonight. Would you please welcome to our show Mark Robinson! I don't know how many of these folks are from North Carolina, but everybody here would vote for you right now. I just want you to know.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Mark, it has been four years since that city council meeting. Mm -hmm. I got to just know, did you plan on going and making a speech or did it just well up in you as you sat there?
2: It just welled up in me while I was sitting there. Unbelievable. I knew I had to go to the meeting Uh uh, because of the, the, the subject matter. And I, I i was pretty politically astute. I knew what our city council was attempting to do. So I went, and I knew I had to support the people who would be speaking in favor of the gun show and for our gun rights. But the longer I sat there, Mike... Uh, I I honestly thought I was in a stupid contest. I mean, one one person would come up and say something stupid, and I'd say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then the next person would get up and I'd say, no, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And it just uh, made me madder and madder, and so I had to get up and say something. When did that move you to a place, because I know people were
1: saying, Mark, you ought to run for office. Yes. When did it kind of click in you yeah, that you really I, should do that. And the
2: first time somebody told me that, I said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. And I was vehemently against the idea of running for office. But I think what really made me decide to run for office was the amount of people who came to me and would always say, well, this video has X amount of views. You can make X amount of dollars. You can have a build a brand, mm. blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I just don't believe that God put me in that situation to become famous and rich and build a brand and do all those things. He put me in that position, and I truly believe this, because he sees the rights that he has given us threat, and he's raising up a regiment of people to protect those rights, and I was one of those people. And so uh, we decided that if if we were going to make some change, that it had to be at a level where you could really make change, and we decided to run for office, and here we are.
1: Just a week or so ago, you were at a public ceremony with Roy Cooper, the Democrat governor of North Carolina. Yes. And he was saying that North Carolina is a racist state. Absolutely. This is the theme that the left has been giving. You're standing right behind him. Yes. You're the elected lieutenant governor. Yes. Now, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but best I can tell, you're a black guy. Yes.
2: (laughs) That's right. So how did he figure that you got elected if the state is so racist? That was part of... What I take issue with. I don't necessarily take issue with the fact that Roy Cooper didn't acknowledge me uh, because we, have, uh, we are so vastly different politically. What I take issue with is the man stood there and said that North Carolina is systematically racist, that black people are afraid to walk down the street without being shot by police officers. Meanwhile, he completely ignores the fact that the first black lieutenant governor is sitting behind him, directly behind him, and that my opponent in the general election was also a black female. Mm -hmm. North Carolina has come a long way, but the Democratic Party has a long way to go.
1: You know, in your home state, just this week in Boone, North Carolina, two police officers lost their lives. We hear so much if a person is shot by the police, even if they were resisting arrest, were wanted on warrants for felonies, including assault and all sorts of crimes. Mm -hmm. But I don't hear enough of tears and sadness for the police officers who go out and do their jobs Absolutely. and they die in the course of duty. What can we do to change that?
2: Well, I, I think what it's going to take, and I've said this all along, in order for us to stop this anti-police backlash, it's going to take elected officials from both sides of the aisle to finally put their foot down and realize hmm. that without police departments, we are going to be living in chaos. And that that's not just talk. You look at the, major ri- the rise in major crime since the George Floyd, uh, since the George Floyd uh, incident. Mm-hmm. You look at the, ri- the rise of violent crime, and most of that violent crime has happened in minority neighborhoods, which is another thing that I'm very distressed about. We see so much black-on-black crime in these neighborhoods, and the news media and the leftist politicians are totally ignoring those lives. Right in North Carolina, last week, we had a seven-year-old girl who was murdered in a road rage incident. Mm. That is being overlooked by the incident that happened uh, up in uh, Pasquotank County. Uh, we really need to be taking a hard look at this violence amongst gangs and street crime. And uh, we really need to start stop denigrating our police because the reason why crime is rising so high is because police officers, police officers can no longer be proactive in fighting crime. we got to change that trend. Absolutely, 100%.
1: Mark Robinson, I want to tell you something. I believe, I believe this with all my heart. God has raised you up for such a time as this. You are a voice of clarity and conviction that we need so very much. And I want to say thank you for being with us tonight. And for our great audience, I know you're going to want to keep up with the Lieutenant Governor, and you can do that. Mark Robinson for nc.com. That's Mark Robinson for nc.com or at ltgov.nc.gov. And you can keep up with tonight's show by listening to Keith Bilbrey tell you all that we've got coming up,
0: and it's good. It sure is. Tonight, Huck's hero Marshall Morris. Then laugh with Mike's In Case You Missed It news stories. Plus, Grammy award-winning singer Michael W. Smith. More Huckabee is on the way.
1: No one can deny that without our moms, we wouldn't be where we are today. In fact, we wouldn't be today, period. The nurturing care and love that our moms provided us helped us grow into the adults that we are. But due to famine and poverty, millions of mothers all over the world struggle just to give their children the nutrition and medicine that they need to keep them healthy. This is where Samaritan's Purse comes in. They provide food, medicine, and education to help moms all over the globe do more than just survive. They're helping them thrive. And it's all because of the generosity of people just like you. Please consider calling Samaritan's Purse or visiting their website and join them in helping to bring God's kingdom to those in need. Thank you, and God bless you for caring and sharing. A decorated veteran himself Tonight's Hux Hero saw many fellow vets come back home with PTSD, drastically impacting their lives and the lives of their families. So in response, he's launched a national initiative called Pets for Vets. Through his organization, he's funding trained service dogs for veterans, absolutely free of charge to those he serves. And that's why tonight, he is our Huck's Hero.
3: I first realized I wanted to help vets with PTSD, actually, uh, when I, uh, after 9-11. When the opportunity came, and we saw what it does for a veteran when they're paired with a service animal. It just, it's closest thing to a miracle we've ever seen. And we just said, we're gonna do that. When, we, when you pair an animal with a veteran, I think a couple things happen. One is um, they get a buddy who's looking out for them, nonstop. Second thing is it gives them a purpose. It's really given me a perspective into uh, first the struggle of veterans with PTSD, like really what that looks like. For me, it's really an opportunity to serve those who have served us and, um, and then really restore their lives. Like they're over there looking out for us and for me to be able to be here looking out for them, it's an honor and I'm grateful for the opportunity to do it. I would do this for free the rest of my life. Would you please give a very
1: warm welcome to our Huck's hero, Marshall Morris. Thank you. Thank you, Marshall. Thank you. And you brought a very special friend with you. Tell us about your pet tonight.
3: Yeah, this is Simon. Actually, Simon was just found last week abandoned on the side of the road. Oh, wow. And, um, but thanks to the folks at New Leash on Life. New Life. Uh, it's a no-kill shelter in Lebanon, Tennessee. They tell me to say Lebanon, not Lebanon. <laughs> Lebanon. Um, they got him all set up, and you know what? He's going to find a, a new home, so he's uh, a sweet little guy. What a beautiful
1: dog. He's only, what, four months old? Four months old. He's just a puppy. I'm looking at those paws. That's going to be a big dog. That's
3: going to be a big dog.
1: What will he end up weighing when he's full oh, grown? Uh 80, 90, 100 pounds. Wow. Wow. Pure love. He'll weigh as much as Keith does by then, I'll tell you. That'll <laughs> be amazing. Where did you get the idea for Pets for Vets?
3: So um, so as a veteran, um, 9-11 happened when I was in basic training. And the whole world changed yeah. overnight. And um, when I got out, I, I got deployed, but I got deployed domestically because they were afraid of domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. But all my friends went overseas and we had trained for that. So I kind of had this feeling like, why am I here if they're over there, you know? And so when they started coming back, we started to see the impact of the trauma, the PTSD on them. And then um, one day it was just like, we got to do something. So we, we are in a business at iHeartDogs.com where we, sit, we save sh- dogs from shelters. We feed them, mm. we, we clothe them. People just shop online and we're able to do amazing things. And so we said, you know what? Let's use this as a way to help veterans with PTSD because there's no funding. Uh, like it's usually nonprofits that fund yeah. for that. And a dog, a, a trained dog can be $30,000 and veterans don't wow. have this. No. So we so said, we're going to change it. So literally, we, we came up with this paracord bracelet. Like, it's just a simple idea. Let's do something, right? Um, since then, we've raised $500,000 funding dogs for veterans with PTSD just from a simple bracelet. So we're just, we're just going to keep going and going and going. Um, and like I said, there's no more rewarding work to help the heroes that come back.
1: So dogs like Simon are often shelter dogs, but mm-hmm. you train them and make them where that they can be legitimate companions and service dogs for veterans because a lot of people Mm -hmm. think oh it's got to be a very carefully bred dog for
3: that you're proving that it doesn't have to be right and it's both ways too. see ptsd has different levels right uh the different levels of trauma so um but there's a lot of uh, veterans who just need a companion yeah they just need someone to wake up with someone to go to bed with someone to go to, to home depot with so um whether it's placing a dog with them and they need a little bit just they just need a battle buddy at home uh, or they need someone who really looks out for them. We're going to make sure that they get it.
1: What are you hearing back from these veterans mm-hmm. who have been uh, connected mm-hmm. to one of the pets for vets? The um,
3: the the story that the stories that really tear me up the most are really come from the wives mm. because um, there's things we take for granted, like just going to Home Depot, like or just going to the store, right? Um, they can't do that. So these little moments that they enjoy as a family together are or they feel like are forever gone. Well, when we introduce the dog, it's, it's a miracle. It's absolutely yeah. a miracle. And these things happen again. So you're impacting the veteran's life, but their family, their children, there's just a legacy to that. So the wives' stories for me are just um, the most powerful miracles that uh, I've ever experienced mm. just consistently over and over. Um, but it's like they get, the word that they use a lot is they got their life back.
1: Marshall, God bless you for what you're doing. You're doing the Lord's work. If there ever was somebody who was doing it. Thank you very much for joining us today and for being a Hux hero. Now, if you would like to see more of the incredible work that Marshall is doing, you can do it by going to iheartdogs.com. Or you can check him out on social media. Keith's over there just barking at the moon, and he's also got the scoop on the rest of the show. He's going to dish it
0: out for you right now. You saw saw Simon looking at me over the couch. I think Simon (laughs) likes me best. Next, fun and mics in case you missed it. News stories and stand-up comic Sean DePierce. Lots more Huckabee is on the way.
1: Welcome back to the show. By the way, I think it's always appropriate for us to do a little uh, hand clap, and I mean not a golf clap, but a really good one, (laughs) for the best music in America, right here on the show with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. (laughs) Well, we're so grateful that you're here. By the way, I was telling Keith, that dog was so impressive. That I can't believe that a week ago that dog was out just abandoned on the side of the road and it came in here with all this noise and stuff going on and just behaved better than Keith ever uh, does. uh, Yeah. That's what I was. Certainly better than Trey. Yeah, absolutely better than Trey. If I I
0: didn't have Bo, that dog would be going home. There was no
1: leash on him. We got a leash on Trey. There's a difference right there. (laughs) Well, from desperate dating apps to a mother's eternal tattoo regret. We've got the news that'll have you squirming in your seat on In Case You Missed It. All right, the pandemic has hurt dating so much that a British dating app called Hinge is actually paying users to get out of the house so people will date each other. And if you find a match, they'll give you 50 pounds to spend on a date. Now, let me make sure you understand, 50 pounds is about $70. It's not how much heavier you you are that you claimed to be on your dating app. That's just so you know. And by the way, if it works out, they give you another 50 pounds to go on the second date. Wow. That sounds kind of like a new Joe Biden government program, doesn't it, huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) By the way... They encourage daters to follow all the coronavirus precautions, wear masks, and keep your distance. So I don't understand how there's ever going to be a second date if you've got to do that, right? Wow. Huh? All right, in Houston, Texas, Domino's Pizza, they're teaming up with an autonomous vehicle company to test a self-driving pizza delivery car. What about that? They looked at speeding pizza delivery drivers and asked how can we make this even more dangerous? So here we go. <laughs> you know, Keith, I think this is every man's dream come true. Uh-huh. A self-driving car filled with pizza. What I do you think? I think
0: it'll get to its destination.
1: Wouldn't if it's uh, coming through my neighborhood. So far, the only drawback is that if you don't tip it, it runs over you. Oh. Uh, I knew it was coming. Hey, and what goes better with pizza than a nice frosty mug of dog beer? Do you know beer? there was such a thing? Right. Now, it's without alcohol, of course, but last year, this is a true story. All this stuff is, believe it or not. Anheuser-Busch tested dog brew. It is a non-alcoholic beer for dogs that is made from bone broth. Wow. It is. It sounds like a beer that they'd make for me,
0: you know? <laughs> well, you By know, the- I was in the store. <laughs> there. I didn't know they had these. They had fried pickle-flavored popcorn. Yeah. Pickle flavored popcorn. Ever, has anybody
1: had I said, that? I, no. I'm gonna pass. No one in the audience would admit that they had ever had <laughs> that, even if they had.
0: I couldn't believe it. Fried pickle
1: popcorn. Well this dog beer sold out in twenty-four hours. Ooh. Which is kind of amazing.
0: Well, that might be a good combination.
1: Yeah, we're not sure if they sold the dog beer out to dog owners, are very confused microbrew fans. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> now they're going to bring it back, Anheuser-Busch is, and they're offering $20,000 for the dog owner whose pet is chosen to be the chief taste testing officer and the brand representative for dog brew. Well, there you- well Simon's. I think Simon could Simon do it, but you know sign what I think? I bet they end up getting a St. Bernard. What do you think? Probably, I bet that'll yeah. be it. Yep. Yeah. By the way, I will let all of you cat owners know if anyone is ever looking for a taste tester for non-alcoholic Chardonnay for cats, which is probably <laughs> what they would want. That's nice next. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, there was a mom who decided to permanently commemorate her six-year-old son's drawing by getting that drawing tattooed on her arm. Thank goodness it was on her arm. But only oh. afterward did she discover... That he didn't actually draw it; the kid's friend did. She posted a photo on TikTok of her new permanent decoration. Mm. She looks thrilled, doesn't she? Huh? Yeah, a too pretty late pumped to do about the right
0: that. now, yeah.
1: Well, you know, the only solution is now adopt the other kid. That's right. <laughs> wow. Hey, the moral of the story is that if you want to preserve your kid's drawing. That's why God gave us refrigerator magnets. There
0: you
1: go. Yeah.
0: Absolutely.
1: Finally, a new segment. We call it A Picture is Worth a Thousand Words. A British couple said the pandemic had been hard on their small children. So inspired by the Netflix movie Yes Day, they declared one day in which they said yes to everything their kids wanted. Mm. I thought that was Grandparents Day is what that was about. That's every day. Every day. Every day. Anyway, among the things they said yes to was letting their kids do their makeup and choose their wardrobe. Mm. Here's how that worked out. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, after reading this, I think the big problem in America is that too many parents make every day yes day. Oh. There you go. Mm. Well, before you start screaming, no, we're going to stop right there. But until next time, remember, we read the news
0: so you don't have to Up next, comedy with Sean DeBierce, national singer and songwriter Bill Nash You're watching Huckabee Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at
1: you are going to be so glad you stayed with us because shonda pierce is the record industry's best-selling female comedian of all time and she's an author speaker singer actress and her film laughing in the dark a true story is now on DVD. Welcome back to the show, one of our very favorite people on earth, the hilarious Shonda Pierce.
4: Oh my goodness, stop, stop. Don't be so silly. Y'all are just glad to be out of the house. You know you don't care about this. I'm glad to be out of the house. I survived COVID. I got it about two months ago. I should have said two days ago and watched the room clear out. I got it a couple of months ago and it was terrible and they went, you know, I had to get the little swab that they stick up to your brain cells and when they said I had COVID, I was kind of pleased that they found something. (laughs) We had bets going that it was just an empty cavity up there but they stick that swab through your nose all the way to your left brain and yes, it's true and then they take another swab and they stick it Well, I'm not going to tell you, but one goes to a lab and one, they just look at it and go, yeah, you got it. I don't know why they take the time sending it to the lab when they just looked at it and and looked through the blood and the brain matter and it was disgusting and that was not what I was going to talk about when I came out here, but it was just on my mind. Because I hug somebody, that's the hardest part of this whole distancing thing, isn't it? You see a friend, you want to hug them, then you go, oh, do you have the plague? Do you not have the plague? Do you fist pump? I'm too old to fist pump. Next time I see somebody, I'm just going to slap them. <laughs> hey, how you been? Whop. We were talking, we were listening to that segment, and isn't that so funny about the things you miss in that woman's tattoo? And I... That brought back such memories because I got a tattoo one time, and I hated it because it disappointed my mother, but it wasn't for her. (laughs) I I was raised so strict, y'all. Let me just say, the last time I was on here, I watched it on YouTube the other day, and I realized that's why it's been a long time since I've been on here. (laughs) Because sometimes I kind of cross the line. But it just depends on what church you go to. (laughs) There are some churches that think I'm funny and others that are praying I don't make it to heaven with them. And so usually those churches, I don't want to be in heaven with them anyway. But I used to go to a church where you couldn't dance, you couldn't do anything. I mean, you couldn't get your ears pierced. My mother cried when I got my ears pierced, and and it still makes me nervous. I just do the little, you slip them on, you slip them off, because if the trumpet blows, you can slip these off and go. Some people are going to have a hard time, and you better hope it's a long song, because it will take them a while to get that stuff off their face. They'll just be just a minute. <laughs> there are people that have things tattooed everywhere. This girl, I was in Cracker Barrel, she had an earring in her tongue. And then she's mad at me because I couldn't understand a word she said. <laughs> and she's trying to wake the table. You want know, unsweet tea or a tea? cake? I'm like excuse me and you can't help but stare she's like <laughs> and she's just flicking it on her teeth like she's bored with li- how bored with your life do you have to be that you put a nail through your tongue <laughs> like a little fidget spinner in your mouth and she's like you want a sweet tongue or a tongue I said here let me put my spoon in my mouth and answer you back I didn't just disappointed my mother, and I hate that, because she's in heaven now, probably ratting me out. But so, you know, to make matters worse, I got a tattoo, but it was for my wedding anniversary. I was married 25 years. I couldn't think of something that would surprise him more. Because <laughs> he's Baptist. And so I got a tattoo. It was just just a little heart with his name in it, and little flowers to, in his place that only he would see. And my daughter was appalled. She's like, Mother, that's disgusting. It's a tramp stamp. And I'm like, it's not a tramp stamp. I married him. (laughs) I mean, if it had, like, George, somebody I didn't know, okay, then maybe that would be a tramp stamp. But I've been sleeping with this man forever. Well, then she threw up. And so, (laughs) but it's gone because, listen, this is what people have to, you got to think before you ink because... Gravity takes care of a lot, and that little romantic tattoo is now somewhere in my butt crack. And so, and the Baptists just fell out of their seats. Thanks for having me. Great to see you guys. I don't either. Oh, that's just me, hey, Simon. enjoy this tonight, to because I doubt we'll ever get to have yeah, you back. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that I dog- cannot believe
1: you just said that, but I you know. did.
4: I know. I think last time I was here, I'd said something about a baby Jesus wet his pants. <laughs> I thought that'd be the last time I'd ever see you. But uh, let me just say, yeah. though, let me just say this about this network okay. that you're on. Okay. Uh, I loved them. When I was sick in the bed, and here's the bad thing about COVID: fear takes over. You hear everything on television. You, you know, first of all, turn off the TV except for TVN. I watched the chosen. <laughs> That'll get
1: you back on. Yeah, right Yeah, okay,
4: <laughs> no, but I did. I got so grateful. I got saved like every few hours. (laughs) I would check my oxygen level and go, I gotta pray again, Lord. (laughs) But it was, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. You
1: were a sick girl, weren't you?
4: Yeah, I was very, very sick. I talked to your son a lot. Uh, He said you were concerned. I didn't want
1: to bother you. You have COVID. I
4: wrote out my funeral three times. I'm not kidding. Three times. I kept changing the songs. But you're the you're preaching my funeral. Okay. So just
1: don't let it be anytime soon. I hope they
4: put my body like right here.
1: We Except can change that. the
4: Huckabee name. We'll, I put want a, we'll put
1: Shonda right there. Oh, I
4: yeah. have a real humble brother. You know my brother. Yeah, I do. He wants He's great. to be cremated. He doesn't want anybody to do a big fuss about it. I'm, not me. <laughs> I want a horse <laughs> and a carriage to take me through town. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote all that down. So you're in there. You're supposed to do my funeral. And Shiloh Hackett, my pastor, is going to do the, the graveside because it's going to be so long. Nobody will be at the graveside. <laughs> Well, They'll be it, like, we've got to eat the chicken. It's it'll be the first go.
1: time I ever really let you down, right? Put up, oh, it's been hard. A whole year, you basically didn't get to do any shows.
4: I know. You're I making here up for, for it this... hours tonight. I have had no one to talk to. No. Well,
1: I would say this. I think you are essential to my well-being <laughs> and to the sense of humor you bring to this world. Don't you dare retire until I'm. I'm gone, okay? <laughs> but then I can't die because now i got to do your funeral. Daddy, and that, I have to go first. That's really messing it up for me. I know me. it
4: is. Well, but if you go first, Jenna and I have
1: some things planned. Oh, gosh, scary. that scares me. <laughs> hey, you can get Shonda Pierce's comedy, her books, and a whole lot more on her website. Check her out and all the schedule of the live show that she's got coming up. And keep up with her. Here it is, Shonda.org. Pretty easy, isn't it? Right now, our sort of funny man, Keith Bilbrey, he's going to tell you why you ought to stick around through the break. Here he
0: is. Oh, I have a good reason. Coming up, author, singer, and songwriter Bill Nash. Then Christian Music's Michael W. Smith. Stay.
1: Welcome back. Bill Nash is a singer, songwriter, and a longtime recording artist. With his wife, Kim, he's written hit songs for a galaxy of country stars, from Reba McIntyre's They Ask About You to Diamond Rio's In God We Still Trust. The amazing story of Bill's career and how he found his way back to his faith is his new memoir. It's called Saint Sinner Singer. Please welcome Bill and Kim Nash.
5: Thank you all.
1: So good to have you guys here. It's an honor. What a storied career, Bill, that you have had. (laughs) And I want to begin with a story that I find just amazing. There was a moment that you were um, talking to Jerry Kennedy of Mercury Records. Yes, sir. And he said he wanted you to hear a song by The Janitor. Yeah. (laughs) And he picked up the phone, called his secretary and said, "Uh, see if The Janitor can come in. And you're thinking... What in janitor. the world? He's going to make me listen to the song by the janitor?
5: Yeah, where's all those hit songwriters who told me we were going to have
1: right for me? And he's bringing in the janitor. The janitor. But who was that janitor?
5: Well, let me tell it like this. The guy sat down with his black guitar and he, he crossed his legs like this. He had hush puppy shoes on <laughs> with a hole in the bottom of them. <laughs> so it's making me think, this guy can't be successful. Were you yeah, looking we're... for
1: candid camera at that
5: point? I, you know, I, wish, I wish so many times for that because here's the first three line he said, don't look so sad. I know it's over. And who was that guy? Chris Christopherson. Yes, Chris Christopherson, the janitor. Chris, the janitor,
1: yes. yes. <laughs> and
5: uh, a year later, he, had, he, had a, he would come see me. We became good friends over all that. And, and uh, when I, I came back, to, I'd come to Nashville. They would call him and yeah. tell, hey, Bill's in town. He'd come. We'd have lunch, and we'd talk. And I'd say, Chris, I need another song from you. You know what he said? Hey, Bill, I about ruined your career with that first one.
2: I, no, I will
5: So he said, okay, the third time in, he said, Bill, I've got a song gotta, i got to finish, or I'd have one for you. I said, well, what would it take to finish it? He said, a six-pack. <laughs> well, So like the good Christian boy that I yeah, was, and I yeah. gave him three bucks, and he disappeared from Music Road and walked the print Walked. He had no car. He was uh, living in an abandoned building. Oh, my god. And I didn't soul. know it, Governor. Wow. I would have given him $100 yeah. if I'd have known that. It wouldn't have helped him a lot. But he came back with a song that starts like this. Uh, let's see. Help. Take the Take ribbon. Take the ribbon from your hair. Mm. Shake it loose and let it fall. It's called, for, it's called Help Me Make It Through the Night. We all remember it. I cut it 30 minutes later, and I got drafted as I got home, and it ruined my Mercury career because Vietnam veteran I huh. am. I'm proud to be. I want to mm. serve my God bless family. you. But. but yeah. There went my career with Merkel. Well, I'd say you had a
1: pretty amazing career, but it also was a career that was marked by a lot of twists and turns. Yes. Sir. And, uh, well, I think what's great about the book that you and Kim have done is that it is the story of a person who grew up the straight and narrow, went off, but then you found your way back. And it's the story of redemption yes, sir. and the story that God never gives up on us. He yes, never says, I'm through with that Bill Nash, that guy's toast. He never gave up on you, and And that's a
5: beautiful story that's in here. I love it. Thank you for having us on today, too. I really appreciate it, but I learned 1 John 1, 9, Hmm. if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all, all, all unrighteousness, and you know, it took me several weeks to believe that he would forgive all that junk that I did in my life, but... I would like to tell all of my show business friends, I mean, Mickey Gilley and Johnny Lee, we grew up together. We're all yeah. close friends. And some of those guys have expressed, if I walked into church, the ceiling would fall in. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. Jesus died for our sins. To, to, he'd done everything he could possibly do to get us to heaven. Hmm. And I just had to believe it. That's all we have to do. He, paid, he took my place.
1: I got to tell you, my favorite story in the book, it's later in the book, but it's about your son, Billy, your oldest oh, yes. son. Yes, sir who started out trying to play guitar and you made the the comment that he decided that the guitar wasn't as much fun as golf. And I thought, (laughs) what a fascinating thing. The kid gave up a guitar for a golf game. What a loss to the world, huh? And And he's our
4: miracle boy, as you know. The one that was healed from leukemia. At two and a half, he was diagnosed with leukemia. Mm had a 50-50 chance to survive. And, you know, we weren't looking for the Lord. We were doing our own thing, and God was on the back burner. I know a lot of people can relate to that, but we just said a simple prayer in that hospital room and asked the Lord to heal his body. Bill made a deal with God there that he'd sing, uh, he'd tell the, tell the story wherever, sang, the wherever he sang saying the rest of his and life. we have. We've
5: actually hmm. done that in so many places. That we've but, shown...
4: but 10 days after we left the hospital, they gave him one shot of chemo. We came back. They did all the tests again, the same doctor, that had given us the devastating news with tears in his eyes, came in that hospital room and, and said with tears in his eyes, a smile on his face, right. every test came back normal.
1: normal. Wow. That's, a God. that's, a, normal. Normal. A, that's a God thing. That's a God
5: thing. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for that.
1: Well, Bill Nash's book, it's called Saint Center Singer. It is available now online. you get it and love it. It's a great story. It's a great encouraging story. Also, check out Bill's website, bknash.com. Com. That has all of his and Kim Nash's incredible music in it. Keith, I don't even know how we can possibly end this show with all we've had tonight, but
0: maybe give us a little preview. Well, Grammy Award-winning singer Michael W. Smith is next on Huckabee.
1: Michael W. Smith is a Grammy award-winning recording artist. And for nearly 40 years, his music career has produced hundreds of hit songs. And they've helped people connect to one another and to God with some very powerful lyrics. Michael's got a brand new book coming out in May. It's called The Way of the Father, Lessons from My Dad, Truths About God. Here to tell us more, Michael W. Smith. (laughs) Welcome to this show. Thank We're so you.
6: glad you're here. I'm glad I'm out here to be on your show.
1: Well, me too. <laughs> I want to talk about this book, <clears throat> The Way of the Father. Oh. This is depth because it's about you and your dad and the lessons you learned from him. Yeah. And it's coming out right around Father's Day. What a great time for this book to come out. Why'd you write it?
6: Well, my dad was, um, I say it all the time, he was the kindest man I ever knew my entire life meant mm. to be my dad. Wow. And, you know, he just came from that great generation. You know, if you, got, if you were sick, you went to work. You know what? Yeah. You know, and you took care of your wife, and you took care of your kids, and you're involved in your church and the community. And, and uh, I mean, he just, and he coached me all growing up in baseball. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to play for the Cincinnati Reds. You know, the Big Red Machine was my team. Uh-huh. And, and I was a pretty good ball player because of my dad. Uh, but I, but really the book is all these sto- the remarkable stories about my dad. I knew I would write it one day. He, he crossed over to the other side in November 15. Hmm. But not only these extraordinary stories about my dad and how amazing he was, but what he, I, I say this, it sounds strange, but it's true. I think he showed me a little bit what, what God's like. And a uh, great father. I don't think that's strange at all because I think that's how it's supposed to
1: be. I think it is. That God, our father, reveals himself through Earthly fathers who know God yeah, the Father. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, you're going to do a song with us tonight. And it's really the story of your dad, isn't it?
6: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, I kind of put on my little Americana hat and, um, you know, just start. You know, my dad, he worked in oil refinery. You know, he could have played professional baseball. He went to the minor leagues. Uh, but his, his father died when he was a teenager of a heart attack. And um, he thought, you know what? I've got to come back and take care of my mom. Mm. And that's what he did. And so he gave up that dream. He kind of lived out that dream through coaching me in baseball, you know, all the great stories of me in Little League Baseball. He was so positive about everything, you know. I remember that year we were 0-15 and, and we just got annihilated every game. And- you thought the world had come to an end for an eight-, nine-year-old kid, and he'd walk in that dugout, and he'd say, boys, we'll get him next time. Let's go to Dairy Queen. And you, you, you didn't get to go to Dairy Queen unless you won, you yeah. know? We walk in Dairy Queen, all those people are looking at us going, what are you guys doing here? We just beat you 30 to nothing, you know? And that last game we won, I'll never forget it. I was, I think it was eight or nine. I was on second base, and somebody is single. And I, it was two to two, and I scored that. That winning run, you thought we won the World Series. And my dad walked in that dugout, and he said, Boys, great job. <laughs> Let's go to Dairy
3: <laughs> 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 Queen.
1: And a Dairy Queen went. Tell you what. Well, Michael W. Smith is gonna be performing for us in a moment, but while he's getting ready, Keith Bilbrey is gonna tell you how you can get Michael W. Smith's amazing book. What a great book for Father's Day called The Way of the Father, as well as his latest CD.
0: You can purchase your copy of Michael W. Smith's The Way of the Father, Lessons from Dad, Truths About God, everywhere books are sold on May 18th. You can pre order your copy today at michaelwsmith.com. And be sure to watch Michael's television special, The Way of the Father, exclusively on TBN, Friday, June 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, here to perform with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on bass is Michael W. Smith.
7: Saw the ghosts And empty streets Of that West Virginia town You worked for years On swing shift At the Ori refinery You loved your wife And your kids And one of those kids was me And the sweat looks we'll like the tears of heaven pour it out You say keep walking on down, down the dusty road We're gonna make it somehow Now I wish that you were here You'd be amazed to see That today looks like a page He said, keep walking on down, down this dusty road, we're gonna make it somehow. I can feel it, feel it in my bones, that there's a place up ahead that looks like home. We keep walking on down, down this dusty road, we're gonna make it some. gonna make it somehow, yes we are.